Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Okay, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here today. My apologies. I was, I was out of the office yesterday, so... I was getting an update from from Pete about joyous things. Welcome to those who are online. If you are online, if you could let us know you're there. We're, we're trying to determine whether we should continue to stream in the morning. So the best way to, for us to do that is to know if you're there. <laughs> so uh, just... Join the chat room or on Facebook, the comments section, and just say, here I am. That'd be helpful. Uh, just to remind you, tonight at 7.15, if you're available, there's a congregational cluster. We'll give an update on uh, building the vision together. There's been some, uh, there's going to be some suggested changes. There's no voting or anything like that. We're just showing you and getting feedback. Um kind of share with you where costs were going and what we thought, the, how the changes we feel help contain the costs, if you will, but still achieve the goal. So that'll be tonight, 7.15. Of course, a voters meeting that'll be in November. We will not be voting on building the vision together in November. Uh, we won't be ready. We won't, have, we won't have the information that we want you to have um, at that time, but we'll have lots of other things for you to know. So please plan to be there for that too. Uh, so, about it, right? Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you and praise you for uh, the joy of being called your children. Bless us, Lord, as we gather today. May your Holy Spirit move us and lead us uh, to a closer relationship with you and the strength that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we continue searching the scriptures for uh, strength and where we see strength uh, lying as part of the Christian walk. And, uh, hey, Linda, could you go to the church office and get the attendance sheet for me so people could sign in? Um, so uh, when we're reading these scripture passages and when we're, when we're hearing these stories, that's the perspective that we want to view, view it in, which is, uh, where is the strength in all this? Where is the strength of this person? Where's the strength of God? And then what do we gain from that, right? Um, so today we're going to look at Joseph in the Old Testament, son of Jacob. Um, and this is going to be a bit, a bit more unique. But dare I say, much more relatable to our everyday lives on some level. Unfortunately, there's a tremendous amount of backstory I have to tell you about um, before we actually read portions of this. In fact, we're only going to read, uh, we're going to read uh, the very beginning portion, and then we're going to read the very end portion, because this, this, this event goes over about four chapters. And we just don't have the time today uh, in one sitting to do that. 
So I thought, you know, one of our goals here is the de-Sunday-schoolization of these great stories. So with that in mind, I thought I would tell you the story in a somewhat Sunday school fashion. Okay? So there was a boy named Joseph. <laughs> and uh, he had some brothers. And he had a father named Jacob. And his father loved him very much. There was favoritism in this family. And Joseph was the favorite. So much so that Joseph's father made for him a beautiful coat. There, little did he know there'd be a famous musical. And that one day, Donny Osmond would play him, right? <laughs> uh, and so just, if we were in Sunday school, I would say, what do you notice in this picture, boys and girls? <laughs> you notice who's happy. <laughs> and you notice there's a whole bunch not happy, right? So um, you'll know this. In this society, um, what brother matters? Only the first. Yeah, only the first. So in this case, we have an interesting dilemma because uh, near the youngest seems to matter most. Uh, so... To add insult to injury, after this beautiful gift is given, Joseph tells his brothers about his dreams. And he has two dreams. Uh, one is about, uh, here we look at, it's hay, but we'll see it could be different things. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Small batches, right? And one large batch. Again, what do you notice in the picture? <laughs> They're not too happy with this dream. In essence, what Joseph seems to allude to is that one will be greater than the others. Then there's, there's more. There's another dream about stars in the sky and how one shines brighter than all the others. And uh, here again, most aren't happy. Dad, this picture is somewhat wrong, because Dad's not happy about this either. We're going to read that as well. So, famously, what happens? The brothers take Joseph, and what do they have intended to do? Well, first they want to kill him, right? And they take his coat. And they uh, rough him up a little bit, but they can't get themselves to kill him. So instead, they do what? Do you know the story? Yeah. They sell him into slavery, right? Uh, now who looks happy? <laughs> right? Nobody. So um, for the record, families have needed therapy since uh, the beginning of time. All right, and here we see that again. Uh, sell him into slavery, and um, he is bought by a pretty wealthy guy whose wife thinks that Joseph's a real looker and decides that she wouldn't mind having a friendship with him, right? But more like a days of our lives friendship. 
guiding light friendship, right? But Joseph's a man of integrity, and he says, not interested. It's not who I am. So, uh, unfortunately, what happens is that she blames him for something he doesn't do. And he's put in prison, and so on and so forth. Life looks pretty grim for Joseph until, skipping a lot of the story, until uh, the Pharaoh has some dreams, and he hears about a guy who can interpret dreams. And so he calls him out, and Joseph becomes the interpreter of Pharaoh's dreams. And as is the case with uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all these other guys, they serve this foreign leader well. Notice how I changed it, even though they're the foreigner. Uh, they serve this foreign leader well, and the leader rewards them. So Joseph becomes a key guy in the kingdom, mainly because he lets Pharaoh know of a great event that's about to occur. Do you remember? Famine. There's going to be a great famine in the land, and therefore let's store up and be ready. And frankly, they survive the famine because of Joseph's interpretation of the dream, right? Lo and behold, um, his brothers come back. They meet. They don't know it's him. We're going to read this part. Joseph weeps, uh, lets them know that it is him after some dysfunctional brotherly encounters, <laughs> you know, like... Uh, you know, uh, go back and get my dad, and or I will, you know, make sure this brother doesn't make it. <laughs> you know, it's not like, hey, let's all go visit dad together. It's some ultimatums there. It's not pretty. But ultimately, they are reunited as a family. And the very end of that story is that their family moves to Egypt and is saved from the famine themselves. Now, I... Just took you through, that's the trash, four chapters of Scripture in seven minutes. Look at that. And I skipped some things. I skipped the cook, right? There's a cook in here. There's all kinds of things. But we don't have time for that. we got to get into strength and where strength is found. And the reason why I think perhaps this will be relatable to you is because of the of the consistent circumstances of Joseph's bad luck. Seems like he's got quite a bit of bad luck, right? Brothers are against him, sold into slavery. Uh, the, the, the household is against him, slavery, thrown into jail. Uh, looks like things are dire there, right? There's a consistent sort of negative, but through it all, a positive reemerges. So turn to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis 37. And we're going to read verses 1 to 11. 1 to 11. And we'll need someone to read that. I, oh, Don, you're the mic? You're the mic guy today? You've, you've been called to a higher service today. Uh, well, why don't you read it for me because you have the mic. 
<laughs> Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. (laughs) He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Thank you. All right, so what did you hear? What was interesting to you? Did, is this, did everyone sign this paper? Everyone got the t- paper? Okay, perfect. What did you see? What did you hear? Alex, I thought you were going to say something. Is it on? It okay. is on, yeah. Um, I think if I had had those dreams, I wouldn't have told my brothers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Sort of uh uh, or you might have, right? <laughs> you might say, well, I'll get you. It does, it, it does seem right wisdom. He's young, but wisdom would say, is this the right time to tell this dream? Uh, however, um, there's also a case to be made if there's already friction in the family, right? We don't know the intention of Joseph here, for sure. It could have been vindictive. It could have been honest, truthful, hey, sharing, Right? Who knows? We don't. We can't figure that out here. Yeah. Uh, from a faith perspective, those dreams, when it's happening, that's more that apparent bad luck. But later on, when we get to the part where I'm not going to hurt you, then they remember the dreams, and it's validation from Jesus that this is all part of my plan that none of you understood, but I gave you a little. Yeah. Something to remember. It's yeah. like, this is, this is on course here. And no, nobody needs to hurt anybody because I made this. Right. I made this. Yeah. And think of, you can't help but wonder, um, how often did Joseph think on these dreams? Right. 
when he was in jail, did he think on these dreams? When, when he was in the midst of Potiphar's wife's mess, you know, did he think of these dreams? When he was a, an official in Egypt, he had to think, huh, that dream there, you know? And I think what you're saying, too, is the brothers, on the other hand, um, had to probably do the, probably at first it was a dream. Dreams of Joseph, right? Why, why did he share that with me? And then, oh, there's Joseph. Oh, we he will love us, say it right, care for us. Um, I've often said that, um, just wait one second. I've often said, I wonder how often Peter and Matthew and uh, all the disciples thought back to the things that they experienced. Particularly, I think this is what you were saying, John, particularly when it was tough, when life was difficult, uh, when faith was hard, did they think back and go, but wait a minute, I saw him walk on water. Did, right? But, but wait a minute, I saw the leper healed. Right? More than only, not only, not more than, not only did I see him rise from the dead, but I wonder if there were moments in their lives where they looked back at that and said, oh, right, let me remember that. And we've talked about this before at church. Um, are we then not called to do the same? When we're feeling weak in our faith, is it good to think back to when we were strong in our faith? Uh, the analogy I'm thinking of is Herod telling the wise men, oh, tell me where he is so I can go worship him too. Yeah. Because the things that Joseph says about who knows, maybe God meant this to happen. That's a very Middle Eastern kind of thing to say when in, you have in mind to kill them later. Yeah, right. Um, and so for them, it's like, yeah, because it was a God thing because it was a dream. And so Jesus is making himself part of the story at that point. Yeah. Because the words that he speaks without that, it still could be, yeah, but you could just be setting me up again like you put the stuff in sure. the baggage or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, and there certainly are moments where it doesn't seem as clear as, oh, this is a very nice story. You know? Okay, good. Something else that you heard or saw? Okay, well, then let's, let's look at it a little bit together. Um, it's interesting um, that verse 1, uh, if you look, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojourning in the land of Canaan. Jacob perhaps thinks this is where he'll settle, right? What is Canaan? It's the promised land. Some level, right? It is. And yet, it's actually not, it's uncertain where he will settle. So it's interesting that the chapter starts with that, even though he doesn't realize it, he has a move in his future. <laughs> um, and we learn something about the land, right? Even though the land was flowing with milk and honey, that has its limitations. It's an imperfect world. It's also interesting that the scriptures say this is the story of Jacob when really it's the story of Joseph. Just, just so you know. And what we learn is that Joseph is a shepherd of flocks with his brother. So he's doing, we know what his job is. Uh, but what we see here, which I think is notable for you all as we study this, is even before his dreams, there is tension in the family. Verse 2, um, Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock of his brothers 
He was a boy with the sons of those guys. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. So even before we get to the dream, we see that either uh, Joseph's a tattletale, (laughs) right? Or uh, he's a responsible young shepherd uh, telling his father of things that he needs to know um, or something in between there. I think what's important here is that, um, uh, that the family is not healthy. So if, we're, if we were t- looking at this from a 21st century point of view, which isn't fair to them, um, I heard the most, side note, I heard the most fascinating thing yesterday was at a, a Southeastern District Church Worker Conference, and they had a scientist from Concordia University in Irvine, so a Christian scientist talking about how science and God can come together, can work together. And um, he was, in essence, uh, debunking uh, Darwin's theories. But he defended Darwin in this sense. He said, there are lots of things Darwin just didn't know that we know now. That if he did know, maybe he wouldn't have said it, right? So I'm doing this to them, which is in the 21st century, I'm looking back and saying, this family system is not healthy, right? Now, in this society, there's a lot of play for power. There's a lot of uh, hierarchy. This is Joseph's probably number one problem. Not only is he not number one, he's way lower. Um, But what we also see here, if I was using this in a family systems class, I would say is that the pattern of unhealthy familial behavior tends to repeat itself unless someone in the family is willing to say, we have to stop this, (laughs) right? Oftentimes I'm counseling people in my office to say, do you have the courage to say, this is what we're doing. There's a history of this in our family. We're not going to do this. Tough to do. Clearly Joseph's not there, okay? Nor his brother's. So then we get to verse 3, and we see the other problem. J- Joseph tells on his brothers. His brothers don't like that. And that, then to add insult to injury, Jacob loves Joseph more of a, you know, more than his other brothers, if you will. Um, and surely he had to be aware of the potential friction that this would bring. Favoritism is often not something other people like to, see, to be a part of if they're not the favorite person. He knew there could be a schism in the family. Yep, he loves Joseph. And to show him this love, we see this coat that he's given him, right? Which, of course, we made a big musical out of. Um, Interestingly, for those of you who like these things, we see these kind of garments in the 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th century B.C. So this, this idea of these beautiful garments being made to honor somebody is not solely something for Joseph. But rather, it's something we see again and again. Don, what do you got over there? It looks like it's going to be good. Share it, please. Caught you. It's on. It's on. It, uh, I have a footnote that says the richly ornamented robe, uh, the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king would. Hmm. 
That's from Second uh, Samuel. Yeah. So again, we see him here, and it's something of an honor, right? Which you would think it is. Now, even in the 21st century, if you give one child something <laughs> in front of all the other children, <laughs> right? And you say, I know that I have 11 children, but um, bring them all together. I want them all to see me give them this. It could be a challenge, right? Uh, so uh, this is why in your wills, you, be, you would do well just to leave everything to King of Glory. Per the email that I sent out today, right, L- looking for eBay gift card. My account was hacked or something. No, in your wills, of course, you do what you want. I'm just kidding. Uh, So verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers. Interesting word here, right? They hated him. And could not speak peacefully to him. So you you see the depth of the division. The words here aren't they were jealous of him. Uh, the, the words which we would see in other places, right? Um, the words here uh, aren't, um, they were saddened that they were left out of the loop, whatever. No, they hate him and, can, and ha- cannot have peace with him. Hate and peace, right? So uh, with that, uh, I was, the first thing I, I thought of here, and I read something about this too, is, why aren't they mad at the dad? Right? Some of their anger should be at their father, which it very well may be. It's not relevant to this story. Uh, but dad's not helping the situation, right? Um, and just, you know, in chapter 34, verse 31, let's go back real quick. 34. Let's see, the first one. Oh, 34, verse 31. Sorry. I'm looking for it. Go to 30. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My number are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? They're talking about Joseph. We already see that this isn't the first time that there are challenges with the brothers. Okay. The reason this is important, friends, is because of the end of the story. Right? What does human nature tell us to do when someone hates us? Now, human nature tells us to hate them. Right? Godly nature tells us to forgive them. <laughs> human nature. And what does 21st century human nature tell us? Not only to hate them, but to destroy them. We've, we've come full circle. Yeah, on social media. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to sell them into slavery, just, you know, ruin their reputation on social media. Uh, and and seek no peace, right? Um, I'm pointing out to you that which you should already know, which is uh, the same things happen again and again in history. So we live in a society today where people no longer are seeking to live in peace with each other. We're seeking to live in peace with those who are like us. 
rather than in peace with those that we hate. Right? Because this is an interesting formula. They hate him, and there's no peace with him. So uh, you would expect the end of this story to be the same, which is, ha, well, here you are, brothers. So nice to see you. Which one of you hated me the most? Just wondering, right? <laughs> Just want to, want to talk to you first, right? Uh, this is not how it happens. It's not how it ends with some couple digs, but it still ends peacefully, right? Um, so far in the narrative, everything that Joseph has done and what he has received serve only to alienate him from his brothers. As Alex has rightly said, the dreams will only broaden that. <laughs> and that's what I wanted you to see before we, right? It's easy to go right to the dreams, but even before you get to the dreams, there is this wide span of division between him and his brothers. Uh, some would say Joseph comes across as a spoiled brat or a braggart, say, right? So then go to verses five to eight. Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, he hate, they hated him even more. If we didn't hate you deeply enough this time, we really hate you now. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. I think it's funny, interesting that the writer says, even before they tell the dream, Right? So he told them a dream and they hated him more. Oh, and by the way, here's the dream. <laughs> right? Uh, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheave arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed to, to my sheaf. Aha, take that. My, uh, my brother said, uh, and his brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? Uh, so they hated him even more. For his dreams and his words. Gosh, I don't even think that when I was preparing this for you today that I realized how much they hated him and how many times they say they hate him. Uh, hate was not a word that we permit in the Harmon household. So I'm particularly, I'm particularly mindful of it um, that, that I, when I hear it, right? Uh, so um, Joseph has this dream. They're not happy with him. Um, Note that Joseph tells the dream, but he doesn't interpret it. Did you notice that? They interpret it. He just tells them the dream. Here's the dream, and they're like, well, wait a minute. Are you saying this? Uh, now, he doesn't deny that <laughs> either. Um, this is the first dream, for those of you who want to play Bible Trivia Pursuit, this is the first dream recorded in Genesis in which the voice of God does not speak. Therefore, it's removed from a category of what we would call theophany. Theophany, God speaks to you. So Genesis 37, first dream where God himself is not speaking. Many believe, like John here, that this dream is not arrogant. It's not bragging, but it's an unsuspecting prophecy. That Joseph's just he's just saying what he he's just saying what he saw. Uh, and, and it was such a powerful enough dream that he feels like he should share it and perhaps not fully understanding what it would mean. Right? How could he have known that he'd be sold into slavery? Although 
they did hate him pretty much, you know. Uh, so, um, interesting to achieve is something that you eat or something in which food is processed. Food and it ready for, and therefore his first dream has to do with food. And what happens? It's the lack of food that brings his brothers to him um, and sort of brings an end to this Joseph narrative. See, interesting things in there than just the pictures for Sunday school. Yeah, John. I think there's, there's something to understand about God and about Jesus here in the sense that in the 21st century, we want the plan, like building the vision. I want to see exactly how many seats are in the third row, all laid out with diagrams and everything. And Tell me if the Lord had <laughs> revealed to him and the brothers <clears throat> and Jacob, you're going to be living in Egypt and da 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 so many years from now, et cetera, et cetera, they would not have believed it. It is so yeah. weird and overwhelming and different and unexpected that the 21st century detailed plan, it would just gone right over their heads. And there's a, sometimes a reason why we don't get detailed plans from the Lord. Yeah, you're setting me up perfectly, right? God's, God's timing is perfect in every way, even when we don't understand it. Um, and I think that brings us um, to a hint of why this is such a, where we find strength in this passage, which is um, we find strength that even in the unknown, God is present. We find strength in that even in the unknown, God is present. So this is why I think this is relatable more than a fiery furnace. <laughs> because how many of us have sat times in our lives and said, I don't know what, what's next. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to afford this. I don't know how I'm going to uh, survive this. It could be anything. And for believers, especially, that's when we have to pause and say, even in the unknown, I'm going to trust that God is faithful. That, 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 that there, will be a, there will be a conclusion to this that is good. I'm really getting ahead of myself. But uh, Romans 8, 28, God works for good for those who love him who call according to his purpose, right? And I know you all don't like this. I know that you all want John's words to be the, the true words, right? Which is, uh, yes, we want that to work out. We wouldn't mind knowing how it's going to work out, right? And we want it to work out here. But sometimes, hear me, if we're, if we're believers in Christ, sometimes that conclusion is the destination that matters. Sometimes the conclusion is you're healed here. Sometimes the con conclusion is the bill is paid. Sometimes the conclusion is you found patience in the midst of frustration. And sometimes the conclusion is you're spending eternity with your Savior and Lord. Which human nature wants to fight us and say, that's scary. <laughs> right? And I, I understand that. I think God does too. But as people walking in the discipline of Christ, we say, and yet it's hopeful. 
I'm not saying that's always the conclusion. Here, here it clearly isn't, right? You know, Joseph didn't say, well, well, if I die, at least I'll be with God. Right? He didn't say that. There were other conclusions he was hoping for, and you wouldn't be wrong for that. I'm just helping give you perspective for how we live, right? All right, 9 to 11. Here I thought we wouldn't have enough. We would have plenty of time, and now I'm like, ah, hurry. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I know you all like that dream a lot, so let me tell you this one. <laughs> You're going to love this one. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told it, it was interesting now, who gets in on this, his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother? Interesting, because it's probably not his mother. It's probably his stepmother. Uh, and your brothers indeed come to and bow to ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, and his father kept the saying in mind. Which I find interesting, right? Um, so, uh, Joseph's mother, Rachel, uh, died in chapter 3519. So, this is what, again, a little... And it was his favorite wife, right? <laughs> yes. Again, the family the family history is not great, um, but jo- Jacob is not talking about Rachel here. He's talking about Pilea. Um, most likely, um, what also Jacob is thinking about is probably his own situation with his brother. So who was Jacob's brother, remember? Esau. And what did Jacob do to his brother? Took his birthright, right? Again, a good case. Think of king of glory in your wills, right? Wouldn't have been an issue. Jacob, Esau, neither would have gotten anything. We're going to king of glory. I'm really just kidding. So please, you know, you do what you want. I just, I'm pushing the envelope. Um, Yes, just a suggestion. Thank you, John. Uh, so interesting, would you say? That's why you got the email, yeah. If, and if any of you didn't know, evidently there's this email going out saying that I'm asking for eBay gift cards. So the staff put out an email to the congregation saying, that's not from Pastor Harmon. He wouldn't ask for eBay gift cards. I think they said he would rather take donations from building the Anyway, it, don't you think it's interesting that perhaps Jacob's nose is bent out of shape because he lived through this. He lived through dysfunction with his brother. He lived through uh, having to run away, fear, right? I mean, the whole issue of Jacob and Esau. This is, by the way, this is why I'd re- I really, I really want to do the story. It's been several years we did that. To read through those scriptures again as a congregation. And to see these stories played out again, um, it, it's powerful. I know some people would say, well, Pastor, we did that. Why are we doing it again? My response is, well, we do Christmas every year, right? So um, why not do it again? Anyway, th- you can't help but think that Jacob would be thinking about this as well. And why is he keeping it in mind? He's probably keeping it in mind for a couple of reasons. One, uh, let's see what happens, right? Um, and also... Um, Probably he's keeping it in mind uh, to keep an eye on the situation, brother. So, yes, ma'am. Oh, hold on. 
saying that Jacob understood the importance of Yes, he would. Sure. Uh, good. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but, but he, he himself was the benefactor of dreams. And yes, interesting now his son is dreaming, right? Uh, so good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Let's now jump, for time's sake, to 45, right? See how many chapters you got to go. 45. One to eight. Would someone read that for me? Your mic. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about oh, Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, to, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Okay. So just some context for you. This is now after sold into slavery, prison, Pharaoh's number, Pharaoh's dreams are interpreted. Um, brothers come to Egypt because there's no food. He sees them. They have an encounter together. Now he reveals here, where Mike just read, he's revealing himself to them. By the way, there's still more to this story. Uh, several, I would say, uh, well, the famine was seven years, right? And we're probably in year two of the famine. And probably before the famine. Right. Yeah, so it's. Right, so it's probably been good, a good amount of time. And it's also believed that, you know, um, time, so if he's 17, let's, let's just say for purposes now he's 27, you're going to look different, and you're going to look Egyptian, <laughs> you know. So, uh, okay, what did you hear? So, yeah, we, we see Joseph nature um, different than maybe we thought it would be. So I'm going to jump right to what I think is the strength verse. You know, I've been giving you strength verses. Uh, and this goes a little bit to what John was saying before. I think this is the strength verse, verse 7. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth 
and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now, listen, let's not get caught up on remnant. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That's, to me, not the strength. The strength is none of us could have known what God had planned. And therefore, even in the uncertainty, we trust in a God who delivers. So again, let me remind you, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery after they beat him up and tried to kill him. That's a horrific event. Um, in slavery, uh, he is tempted in every way and then punished for being good. So think about that. So uh, how can I love a God who has my own family abandon me and sell me into slavery? How can I love a God who, when I choose good, punishes me? Then he goes to jail. This isn't, uh, you know, Virginia Peninsula Regional Jail, which is no picnic, by the way. You've ever been down there? The first thing you think of when you go in there, by the way, I've been there several times visiting people, is how do I get out of here? <laughs> right? Because they close those doors behind you, and you're like, if there's a situation, how do I get So I always, this is really silly, by the way. And contrary to what I'm telling you today, I always call the office and say, I'm going into jail. <laughs> Just so somebody knows that I'm in there, you know. I'll get out. I'm out of jail. Um, so he's in jail. How could God love me, right? And even in that, he's interpreting dreams in jail. We didn't even get to that. Um, then there's a famine, right? There's lots of reasons for Joseph to say, this is too much but rather in the, in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of great peril, he trusts in a delivering God. And so for me, Bill Harmon, the strength verse is, there's a lot of uncertain things in my life. On any given day, like Joseph, even in my uncertainty, I'm going to trust in a God who has promised me salvation in Christ my Lord. Let's go through a little bit. Um, you're right. Verse 1 is a great moment of reconciliation. Joseph could not stop but vent his emotions. Um, and he sort of loses control because he's so happy to see the very people who hated him. Uh, his joy is so profound that Pharaoh's house and Joseph's house hear about it. And the reason that's important is they're probably, that's how close they are. Proximity matters. So Joseph's important. Uh, and uh, then in verse 3, he says, uh, where is 3? And Joseph says, brother, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? <laughs> so he wants the assurance of knowing his dad's alive, um, and look at his brother's response. His brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Huh. Why would they be dismayed? <laughs> right? Yeah. 
I wonder if right then that 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 moment of dreams of sheaves <laughs> and stars and moons comes comes to their mind. Um, and um, and yes, Debbie, you're right. Not only that, um, he has an enormous amount of power. An enormous amount of power. He can he can crush them. He could put them to death right now. He could sell them into slavery. I will do. I will do to you what you've done to me. He does none of those things. Verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, "Come near to me, please." And they came near, and he said, "I am your brother Joseph." <laughs> In case you forgot, <laughs> whom you sold. Uh, <laughs> Uh, into Egypt, right, um, it is widely believed that he's not being vindictive, but that they, only he would know that and only they would know that. He is confirming for them who he is. Um, and some even would say that perhaps the perhaps he's speaking to them in Hebrew. We don't know that. But to, to go further... Evidence, to give further evidence. Uh, look, these brothers thought they would never see this guy again. And they've got another problem, don't they? They told daddy <laughs> that he's dead. They took the coat. So they worked that out, don't worry. But <laughs> And then interesting, what does is, what is Joseph say? Don't be distressed. Don't be dismayed. God has a plan. Um, from a commentator that I read. We are not told precisely at what point it dawned upon Joseph that he was a lifesaver sent by God um, at this unique time in history rather than a victim of barbaric men and brutal circumstances. I like the language of that, right? So he could have thought that I'm a victim here of of barbaric men and circumstances but instead, he realizes he is an instrument to bring deliverance. That all of that was part of a plan to this moment. Huh? He wouldn't have known it. You're, you're, he would not have known it until the moment it was happening, right? It's, 20, it's 2020, you know, going back and looking Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Um. But the reason I love that is that, to me, the strength of this passage in this story is the encouragement for us to say, well, wait a minute. Um, if, uh, if God works for good, verse 28, to those who love him, be called according to his purpose, then he's working for good for me. And even when I'm going through trials and tribulations and suffering and the brutality of humanity, which, by the way, the scriptures never say we won't. But while we're doing it, perhaps we think of Joseph. And we say, okay, or we think of Esther. Maybe it's such a time as this that I'm here. Uh, Romans 8, 28, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I, I wanted to put that in there because that's what is said. 
before this great passage. So the context is prayer. The, the context is when life is so horrific, when our brothers have sold us into slavery, and we don't even know what to say to God, God's promise of strength is that the Spirit will intercede for us and speak on our behalf. Why? Because we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And are you called according to his purpose? The answer is yes. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. I am baptized. I am baptized. I am baptized. Or, for the sake of time, the next one. Okay, this is long. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I put that in there because of hate and peace. Uh, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Big words are important to you. Not, they're all important. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Go all the way to verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have been, having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? So, John was pushing me earlier to get to this, and I was slowing him down. Here is our promise, right? Compliment, foresight, and prophetic being. Um, we look at this, we look at Joseph and say, right. To Alex's point, I, I may not know in this moment while I'm suffering, while I'm grieving, while I'm, why am I uh, longing, lost, whatever, whatever the circumstance is. But now, as a person of faith, I'm going to find strength in the saints before me and say, okay, but God is here. My strength in this time of uncertainty is that God is here. And... Perhaps I need to start looking for him in the midst of this. Now, to your point, Alex, you still may not know, right? It could be years before we know why something's occurred. Right? Uh, I, I could not have known. I mean, to give a, a, my own example, I could never have known when my parents told me that you were not going to the public junior high school with your friends, that that would begin a path for me to a fuller relationship with God to be your pastor kid, right? Uh, I was devastated. I was angry. I went to be with my friends at Johnny Cake Junior High School. Um, and ironically enough, prophets as they were, uh, my, my friends heard I was going to Christian school, and they started calling me Bible Billy. <laughs> and I had, I had no, no even idea that I would be teaching a Bible study today, Right? Like, huh, Bible Billy is too good. He's going to, blah, 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 you know. And if they came here to church, I would welcome them. Like, like Joseph, I would remind them of the story, you know. I am Bill Harmon, Bible Billy. <laughs> I could not have known that, but I look back at that, right? And I, I'm happy to tell you, there are plenty of times in my life where I'd look in where I'm in the midst of despair 
and all I have is that moment. And I can say, well, God was with me there, so he's surely with me now, right? God, we have to be quick. I have absorbed all the time in my Bible Billy story. <laughs> I think that's a, a foretaste of what we're all going to experience at the resurrection. There's going to be a lot of these uh, Joseph and his brothers moments. Standing there, it's like, and there's Jesus, and there's Pope Leo X and Martin Luther both. And, hi, guys, talk to each other. I don't think you've ever met before, but you have some things to work out. And <laughs> a lot of those on all, all levels. It's, uh, yeah. To me, it's just a great story here. Sure. Yeah. And, and just in closing today, I think it's also interesting that um, when Joseph meets his brothers, he does not say how important he is. He doesn't actually refer to the dreams, does he? He inquires about their dad. He inquires about their well-being. And I think that's a lesson for us, too, that uh, even in the midst of our own challenges of life, when we are people of victory, and we are, we don't have to, but rather we use that victory to show kindness, humility, and love to the people around us. All right, listen, you're welcome to come back tonight, 715. We'd love that. Um, next week, we are going to find strength in the story of Jonah. The challenge has been set. Uh, Gene Partlow had his hip replaced yesterday, so we pray for Gene. And, um, anything else? No? Yes. Sue's husband, Frank, had shoulder surgery. Okay. Good to know. Could you send a note to Tara on that for me? Send Frank a note. Sue Bidlin, she helps with the, you know, yeah. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we praise you and give you the glory. Even in the midst of things we cannot understand and in circumstances that seem beyond our control and challenges of life that seem overwhelming, help us to be like Joseph to find strength that even in our uncertainty, you are a real present God whose love surpasses those situations, whose care uh, is greater, whose uh, love is everlasting. And so, Lord, uh, may that be our strength and our peace. We pray for uh, Sue's husband that you healing. We pray for Gene, bring healing upon him as well. Be with those on our prayer guide. Bless this congregation, Lord. May we be a mighty, vibrant light of your gospel truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.